Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we all are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John, Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two, and we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Uh, welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. It's season six, baby, and Buffy is dead. So what even is this show? Uh, <laughs> we're watching Bargaining Part One. Uh, before we get started, uh, I just want to ask all you friendly listeners out there to make sure and subscribe and uh, rate us on the podcast listener that you are listening on right now. Uh, it really helps. I'm your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John. Uh, why don't the rest of you guys introduce yourself with what you would bring to the resurrection party? Hi, my name is Travis, and I think I would bring pizza. <laughs> yeah, pizza, pizza think, works uh, on in, in almost every in almost every gathering or shindig. Could always pizza. use pizza. Could always use pizza. If it's good enough for the Ninja Turtles, I'd probably bring uh, pita and hummus because that's the uh, you know slacker thing to bring to any party uh, when you uh, haven't really planned ahead, and uh, so it doesn't have anything to do with being resurrection. But that's usually my move going to any gathering. My name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to season six, episode one, and I would bring the wine, red wine. Good call. That's what I was thinking. Also, brings. I, I thought that was the first thing people <laughs> would mention. All right. We can also bring wine. Yeah, I'd bring a nice, rich red. Uh, so let's jump in, but first we're going to do reactions to season five, episode 16, which is the body. Uh, and we all know which episode that is. Um, all right. I'm going to start with, uh, a note from Anonymous, who's not a moose. Um, back in season four premiere, Buffy says, I can't wait for mom to get the bill for these books. I hope it's a funny aneurysm. (laughs) It's funny. Uh, and uh, he says, uh, don't feel bad about your predictions, Michael. You didn't kill Joyce. It was the high cost of tertiary education that did her in. Um, and I want to glitch says, uh, for me, it's the worst and best episode of Buffy. Worst because I still because I still feel fucking pain when I watch it best. It's just a masterpiece of TV work. Uh, I lost my mother for, for cancer in 2005 and, well, this episode is so real. I always had this thing for it. Uh, Buffy has her superpowers. But for this, she's like everybody else. You can't do anything. And this last scene with a vampire, it's like catharsis moment for her. For the first time, she can do something. But it's still like nothing. Uh, thank you for that, yeah. I wanna. Very um, powerful, yes. Uh, John, so why don't you read the mom. next one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very sorry for your mom. Your mom. Uh, Jarrett Thatcher says, uh, this is going to go against the majority viewpoint, but for me, the Anya scene felt false to me. She has the largest body count on the show. She feels no remorse for it. And prior to this episode, she had not a single scene with Joyce. Yet, I'm expected to believe that she'll be mourning Joyce? Definitely a minority opinion, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, I noticed, see the argument, but... I've noticed, Garrett, that... Uh, you're always trashing on Anya. 
Which is totally fine. <laughs> but you're wrong. She's great. <laughs> Uh, uh, Mike, why don't you read uh, uh, Ren and Oz's notes? Sure. Ren says, thought I would watch this week on YouTube instead of listening. From a, the look of a couple of expressions, I feel like there's a the Mars virgin, Veronica Mars virgin in the bunch. It would make a great short uh, F up, flip up, and so much shared DNA with Buffy, but with its own unique and wonderful sensibility. Also, excellent job, guys, with a fairly brutal episode, with many of us, which many of us elect to skip on watches. That, I think, speaks to its power. Yeah, yeah I've real. seen a little bit of Veronica Mars. Uh, that'd be fun. I wouldn't want to do it one episode at a time. That would be too painful, but it would be a fun thing to watch at least, jump in a bit. That's my, my wife watches it every week right now with her, uh, with her girlfriend. So it is on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's uh, find out what bargaining is all about by uh, watching, listening to a summary. The Summary Buffy is still dead. Giles is fleeing to England. No one knows Xander and Anya are engaged. Don is being raised by a robot. And Hell is coming to Sunnydale. So it's time for Willow to puke a snake. <laughs> All right, let's uh, do great lines for this episode. Great lines. Uh, starting off with, uh, I really liked Spike's line. He says, oh, poor watcher. Did your whole life pass before your eyes? Cup of tea, cup of tea. Almost got shagged. Cup of tea. It's excellent. Good Spike line. <laughs> I, I like how John's leaning um, into this British accent. <laughs> it's just, a little it's bit just every as bad. Week. It's just as bad as James Marsters. It's it's so accurate. <laughs> it's so true to source. I don't know if you can say. I was struggling with when I was typing it up whether to write cuppa or to spell out cup of. I think you got it. Yeah, yeah you write cuppa. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got another spike line because Lean he's just. Um, yeah, he's the most fun part of this episode here. So. He's talking with, um, you know, with Don. That's all schools are. Just factories spewing out mindless little automatons who go on to be very valuable and productive members of society. And you should go because Buffy would want you to. <laughs> I just like her catching, him catching her uh, stare and then like switching course on uh, his statement about school. Love it. Trav, how do you rank uh, Mike's attempt at the accent? Sounded a little lossy to me. <clears throat> it was... It was it, it was it was actually pretty bad too. So that's in the spirit of Sp of Spike's actual accent. John's was oh. more laid back. <laughs> John's was more laid back. Mike was more like excited and urgent. Like if like if Spike was a writer <laughs> and he was like really got to tell you something. <laughs> I, I didn't choose choose a Spike line, and that, so I'm not going to do it in an accent because that would only be. Confusing. I think you should anyway. I think you should just do do a Cockney <laughs> accent anyway. <laughs> Who made you the boss of the group? <laughs> uh, no, this is from Xander and then everybody else. So Xander's like, who made you the boss of the group? And then like kind of a chorus of, you did. You said Willow should be the boss. And then you said, let's vote. It was unanimous. You made her this little plaque that said boss of us with little sparkles on it. And ah, da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a great moment. And I also like 
I like those little scenes that you get only through the characters remembering them, but you can completely like paint the picture in your mind of that scene and how that went because you know the characters that well. Like that's a really nice little thing that they are able to do. Totally. And uh, I love what Buffybot said. I guess I would I would watch a TV show called Buffybot the Vampire Slayer as well, since I like (laughs) Buffybot so much. (laughs) And after Buffybot kills a vampire, she says. That'll put marzipan in your pie plate. <laughs> bingo. <laughs> oh, yeah, bingo. Yeah, that's the last, that's the last of it. Bingo. Yeah, good. One. I, I almost did that one, Trev, so I'm glad you did. But you knew I was going to harp on it. I, I, this kind of brings me to, we'll get into this later, but, like, Buffy bought this episode reminds me so much of a child. And, like, part of it is, like, the thing of, like, kids love jokes, but they don't quite understand humor yet. So it's, like, their jokes are pure absurdism, and they love knock-knocks. I don't understand how knock-knocks work. <laughs> this oh, put, man. There's so many questions about Buffybot's programming and, like, she was programmed to raise her hand. Like, there was just, like, a lot of, like, really, like, she's programmed with really infantile responses. So, anyways. Yeah. I kind of want to get into this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that. But first, let's do the kill count. The kill count. So, three vampires this week, one fawn, um, a bunch of smashed up windows and torched buildings, but uh, no fatalities so far from the biker gang. Uh, but we are minus, but we're minusing one slayer from the kill count from the body. So, wild week, wild week. Uh, and now let's jump into weird noticings and trivia. Weird Noticings. Uh, first thing that you're going to notice right off the bat is in the intro, there's no Giles. Giles is no longer uh, in the opening credits. Yeah. And uh, Will has the final uh, spot instead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in the opening, um, we see how the team is functioning. And Tara is a full-on part of the team because she's got the leather jacket. <laughs> that equals badass on this show. And um, <laughs> for some reason, Will so Willow can like is uh, standing above a crypt and like telepathically projecting info to everybody. For some reason, she can project into Spike's mind. Yet in season th- in the season three episode Earshot, we learned that telepaths don't work on uh, vampires. When Buffy gets the telepath power. Right? Oh, that's right. A little inconsistency, Joss. Come on. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not true telepathy. Maybe she's actually projecting a tiny version of her voice into their ears, like uh, like AirPods. Well, Xander says Xander speaks out loud, and he's like, "I know, I don't have to speak out loud because it's oh, you know. true, true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, well, there goes that theory. But this way leads madness. Or, or it could be that Spike is just very special. Could be. I don't know why he'd be more special than Angel, though, right? Yeah. They're from the same lineage. Um, oh, yeah. This uh, this week, somebody, a friend of mine, asked me, like, what's the difference between J.J. Abrams and Joss Whedon? Because they both just seem like white guys to me. And one of the- <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and one Not of wrong. I, I was like, you know, you know I, I, instead of being irritated, I was like, let me... Spell out all these differences. Like Joss is into stru- story structure, and J.J. Abrams is into piles. Um, <laughs> but but I said like one of the things they both have like 
Joss is so much more into character development than world building. And J.J. Abrams' world building is like literally just stacking so they can both get into these crazy inconsistency issues. So like by season six or something, you're like, you're contradicting yourself Uh, because it's really not about (laughs) how the magic of the world works. Right. It's about the characters in the moment. Hmm. Um, So that was a uh, sorry, that was a divergent already. No, I agree. (laughs) I definitely agree. I definitely agree with the J.J. Abrams like pile structure. Yeah. <laughs> no, Joss is the piler, right? Well, they're both pilers, pilers and stackers. But yeah, I like I like that read a lot. I mean, yeah, characters versus story. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John, you got the next one. Oh yeah. Uh, just pointing out that uh, Willow and Tara have moved into Joyce's bedroom, and they have moved in. Like, yeah. I don't know how much story time is supposed to have passed since Buffy died. I get the impression I think it's, it's like been maybe, the summer. Yeah, it's been a yeah. summer. It's been a few months, but like, it's not like they have some boxes. They've like taken that room and made it theirs. It's like completely full of their crap. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, there's no reason for me to feel offended or to feel like it's disrespectful, but I do a little. I feel that way also. I'm yeah. like, did they ask Don's permission here? <laughs> And then they're like giving Don shit about borrowing stuff. Like, you moved into her house. Are they paying rent? (laughs) They better be. (laughs) We can talk about that throughout much of season six, I think. Yes. Um, But let's let's remember, Don loves Will and Tara. Like, she they're they're her witches. No, it's true. I don't think Don's upset about it. I think Don's probably she says as much that she wants to stay and continue to live with that situation. But. just for me, as like I mean, the like being more adult than anyone who's on the show at this point, uh, I'm just like, ah, this seems like a bad situation. Well, this is full on screwball comedy, you know, right at this point, because they're trying to keep the household like the illusion that there is a household at all so that Don can continue to go to school and a robot can pretend to be her sister. <laughs> I mean, this is a really crazy situation. This feels full yeah, this on 80s comedy. <laughs> <laughs> the show switched to a sitcom and didn't ever resurrect Buffy. <laughs> it's I, I just like you. small wonder from now on. <laughs> I could have used like five more episodes of Buffy being actually dead. And then it's just being a screwball comedy where they're trying to keep Buffy bot from breaking, breaking the illusion. Like I could have used many, many, many episodes, like a high school dance that Buffy bot has to chaperone. <laughs> like there may be some fundraiser that has to happen or like Buffy bot starts working at a, at a coffee shop. Or I could have used a lot, a lot of things. Or like her dad come visiting. I could have used like a lot of, lot more episodes of this. <laughs> this should be the first episode of the show. I mean, this is where we should start. Really, like, just clear the decks. I mean, this is such. It's totally like the small wonder world, right? Like with a robot character that's replace, like a robot replacement character. I mean, it's so like where these kind of resurrection stories start. Uh, I know that. This is in the, uh, you know, recommendations, whatever. But this feels like kind of, there's Battle Angel vibes to this one for me. And <laughs> yeah. uh, th- it would be fantastic to to start here. Unfortunately, it feels like the show is ready to move on already from this idea. Even though it's such a fun, crazy world to live in. Do you think Sarah Michelle I mean, Geller has sandwiches. it in her- do you think that Sarah Michelle Gellar has in her has in her contract in the like going forward after this show that she's not going to play a, a robot version of herself for longer than you know like one episode like <laughs> like that's her writer she's like you know what if you write a ro- if you write a robot version of me I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it it's like in her contract for any future shows 
Do you think that was in a contract? The contract for the sitcom she was in with Robin Williams. She's like, uh, I know. That, that's, a, that's like a, that's her just in case writer. You know, she's like, I'm not going to be about Peabody. I'm going to be a robot version of myself. Um, It'd be a cool yeah. ending to uh, like the Scooby Doo movies. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just wondering, does she become a robot in the Scooby Doo movies? <laughs> I love it. I think I I think she loved playing the robot because I think she. She likes that variety because she loved playing that silly version of herself in Something Blue. Yeah, I, I, and I, I've brought this up before. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar is a great comedic actress. Absolutely, and like she doesn't get to express that enough. So, yeah. <laughs> well, in any event, Giles needs to get out of town because it's time to resurrect <laughs> the dead, and no one needs to tell Giles what it is they're planning because the adult needs to leave the room for them to do something really messed up, and like. It's. I feel like that's the telegraph on this, and he'll. And then at the end, they're like, and he'll come back, you know, when we bring back Buffy. <laughs> and I assume he will come back when Buffy comes back. But like, whoa, what a wonderful mess that uh, setting up. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Two predictions on that later. All right. Yeah. So, um, man, nobody talks about how the fact that, but that Don living in the house. Like, there's like one moment where like the the music is sad, and like they pan over to Don when she's looking at Buffy Bot, and then they pan back. But man, it is deeply, deeply disturbing and troubling that Don is living with a life size replica of the sister who just died to save Don's life, who's also incidentally her mother and her sister, <laughs> and and actually no one else is freaking out. I mean, this is truly deeply disturbing, and then. You know, of course, I mean, Don seems to be handling this extraordinarily well, and it doesn't seem like anyone has addressed this with her. It feels like everything else is getting addressed. Don's stealing clogs or whatever. But it's like, if that's all that Don's doing, you're like, that. you're winning the parenting battle because Don should be like stealing cars, burning down buildings, um, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. She should be acting out like insanely amounts until, <laughs> you know, she should be like, uh, electrocuting like the Buffy bot at night. I mean, she should be doing weird <laughs> stuff to the Buffy bot at night. She's doing do a little bit of weird Don stuff. Is... <laughs> I, do I you think Don is trauma? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I just, I, I totally agree with Travis. And there's that, the deeply weird, but amazing scene at night where uh, Don goes from her room to go uh, sleep in the bed with uh, the Buffy bot. That and feels like, very honest. That feels yeah. very, very honest. Yeah. I think that's an amazing scene. And so mm-hmm. like, deeply troubling you know uh but it it don't it does totally show that like willow and tara like they i mean they're doing as fine a job as you'd expect a 20 a pair of 20 year olds to suddenly do taking a foster child uh but they're not prepared for like don's emotional needs in any way right do you think i mean don's clearly traumatized from buffy's death but yet she doesn't get to get over the trauma because buffy's still around in this robot form and so she has to, like, she's on a really creepy loop, a terrifying loop right now of, like, never really getting over the trauma of Buffy being gone because she's, there's literally a robot saying, like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and ditto, like, you know, no one's, very few characters are even moving on after Buffy gone, being gone because the robot is there. I mean, that's one reason Giles has to leave is to get away from this robot that's reminding him of his failure. Um, but, like, the Willow, like, is kind of masterminding this world because she keeps repairing the robot 
because she keeps repairing this loop that they get caught in. Like, I think, I mean, Willow is such the, this, the really the most dastardly character here, which has probably, you know, gotten them to live in the house and then keeps repairing the robot so they can keep living on this loop. Like they're all the Scooby gang still, you know, like it's, it's yeah. really messy. That's a deep read, like, Mike. I, it's the yeah. worst for Dawn, right? Cause she's, she never gets to go over the trauma. I feel like I mean, we're about five minutes away from this in real life where like somebody's going to use like, uh, you know, deep learning artificial intelligences, train them on your social media presence. And then when you die, just keep it going. You yeah. just use uh, use news as the input and then just constantly keep you reacting to everything that's happening. And you'll just keep posting for for since, all eternity. Since my social media is like 90 percent me promoting either the Buffy podcast or my own <laughs> comics. <laughs> Resurrected Dennis would be awful. <laughs> he's going he's yeah. to hold the flame. He's going to hold the flame for uh, the Buffy podcast forever. <laughs> for but me, you, you, you got to get. Uh, yeah, I don't have a social media. I mean, you got to get social media that posts new right, photos go. of yourself, though. New new <laughs> selfies. Yeah, that's that's where like I'm in. Well, they can deep fake your face on the yeah forever. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, th- I, th- I think it's a cool. It's definitely a cool read. I mean. That this this can be read in a couple different ways. Number one, of course, Don they can't acknowledge that that Buffy died; otherwise, she'll be taken away. So Don can't get professional uh, psychiatric counseling, even though <laughs> even though there there is a patient client confidentiality. Um, but it, I think you probably have to report that there been that that there was no living adult in the room, or that she was, she had no living adult. But um, so she can't really get professional psychiatric counseling. But then there's a that's a really great dark read on Willow, like. Willow is in a real dark place right now. If you think about, she's really compromising a lot of different moral aspects, or, or could be, could be. And so, yeah, she's, she's, you know, her grief is definitely different. And so you can definitely say that maybe this is just her version of, of grieving. You know, you, you, could, you could definitely take it that way. Like, her grief is so profound. She's not acknowledging that Buffy died or not exp- outwardly expressing it. She's resurrecting her best friend. I mean, so so her thing could be, oh, this this is what grief. This is one manifestation of grief. So so that I mean that that's actually a pretty interesting uh, read there. Yeah, thanks, Trev. Uh, so I said that Xander not letting Anya tell people they're engaged is fucked. There's like legit no reason to be doing this. Yeah, no, I. Couple should make decisions together. <laughs> right that's why like that's why like this the uh surprise proposal is a really dick move <laughs> this is like kind of a similarly dick move i feel like <laughs> i mean i kind of i kind of understand it but i mean it it, it 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 abstractly it makes sense it just depends on you know it's been a long time like certainly the day after buffy has died you don't want to say anything right i would think enough time has passed i mean in the short term it makes sense emotionally, but you're right. At this point in time, it does not make sense. I agree with you. I agree. With you. Yeah, it would be awkward if they did it the day Buffy died. They're just, yeah, all, saying, like they're all just months, like standing around right? the body, being like, "Guess what? We have news." <laughs> but then, how long do they wait after Buffy gets resurrected? Right? Because like, oh, Buffy's here. I mean, then is it just joy upon joy? Is that when it's the right time? I mean, I get this thing about the timing of engagements being a big deal, but it's. Less a big deal before the reality of, like, how depressed your friends are and more about the reality of, like, other people get engaged. And so there's multiple – there can be multiple weddings in a heat of weddings, you know? So you got to, like, that timing is awkward and making sure that you are 
quietly or implicitly connecting with your friends to make sure it's not competing with other events. But I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's something cultural about this that I don't, I'm, I'm not connected to anymore. That feels like very old school, this idea that you would save this moment that Xander is feeling, but because it feels like a true thing, but I, I th- felt Xander confused, like pregnancy with engagement, like, <laughs> <laughs> He's supposed to wait a couple months in case that you know. <laughs> uh, and the gang totally trusts Spike to babysit uh, Don, um, which I'm sure <laughs> will have defenders of the of Spike being like, "This is fine," but that's some weirdness. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I it's not clear to me at all that like once because like the only the only thing keeping Spike from being evil is that he has the chip in his head, and then also he had a crush on Buffy, right? Yeah. But Buffy's dead, so now it's just the chip. You, I mean, one would expect. It seems like that's not the case. Like, it seems like he has this, like, weird uh, emotional need to take care of Dawn. But, like, I, if, if I, like, based on everything we've seen so far, I would not trust that. Because that seems like that could change in a moment. And, like, he just stood there and, like, allowed Giles to be choked. Hey, 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 let's not impugn Spike's character too much. Um, so I actually I am gonna be the I'm gonna be the dissenting voice. I actually think Dude. it's fine that Spike babysit Don. I mean at at this point in time, that's where the, the show says his character will be. I don't necessarily agree with the whole show's approach to his character, but to me this makes this is this is a logical evolution of the character that they decided to make that I did I didn't agree with back in season five, making him a good guy. They assume he's a he's a good person, and this is the logical extension of that. So to me, it makes sense. But again, I don't like that logical leap that he's a good person. But but so I'm okay with this. But once we accept that he's a good person, why not? Is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If the show is saying that, okay. Still, I, I just mean, I get that he's got like, have to, he's got deep, a very deep have like, evidence. protection. He's in very deep protection mode, right? Yeah, he's like, I need to correct the mistake of like not saving Buffy, and I need to like. So he is like the safest babysitter because it's like, you know, I just watched Conan the Destroyer, and it's like having Will Chamberlain be like the protector of the uh, princess, right? <laughs> he's big. He's not gonna do anything. <laughs> sure. You got it. You got it, Dan. You know that culture reference everybody always gets. Conan On the, the tip of their tongue. Just the tip of their tongue. So does the Buffy bot really need training here? Like, this is just to make Giles feel guilty. You know, like, the fact that, you know, he's he's trying to train up a robot. Like, of a robot, like, replica of the, you know, essentially the Slayer that died. Like, that was on his... His watch, right? Like, this feels really nutso. It feels like they should be seeking out Faith or someone who's actually supposed to be a slayer at this point if they still want to do this slayering. But instead, like, this just playing around with the robot version of someone is really mess. It's like really messy and, st- and weird. No wonder Giles has to go. I mean, it's like, oh, this is, doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> like, you should really be out trying to connect with Faith, right? Like, yeah. Go visit her in jail. She's still in jail. I bail her out, break her out, whatever. Yeah. Send Buffy Bot to go get her. <laughs> uh, I was looking at it from a different point of view. So I was like, of course you need to train the Buffy Bot. Like, this whole episode, something that drives, drove me crazy on this rewatch is like, so, like, if you accept that AIs learn, which I think you have to, because that's like their whole deal, 
nobody like nobody is ever correcting the Buffy bot except for Giles. He's training her. Like every like Willow's reaction is always to like dive into her programming and mm-hmm. to edit some like code, but like Buffy Buffy bot multiple times asks both Willow and Tara like, "Is there something wrong with what I did?" And they're always like, no, you were perfect, but let me edit some shit. And it's like, that's not how you teach anybody. <laughs> and Fair since point. Buffybot is acting like a child, like, treat her like a child and gently guide her and be like, in the future, you know, if somebody says X, you say Y. Uh, and this is Y. Or whatever. It drove me crazy that there's so, like, nobody wants to, like, help this bot learn at all. Um, and obviously it's because of emotional <laughs> reasons of, like, they don't want to... This Buffy bot is there, but they don't want to actually interact with her very much, right? Um, yeah, they're treating her like a toaster or a car. Yeah. That they got to diagnose and fix. When they should be treating her like Battle Angel Alita. <laughs> yes. Well, like, she's even, yeah, you're right. She's even curious. She has questions. Like, they totally just dismiss the yeah. reality of what she's saying, even. It, it hurt me this rewatch. And it was interesting because I don't think it's something I cued into like back when the show first aired. Well, the show's got you on a loop. You're like waiting for <laughs> Buffy to come back and for them to resume the monster hunting. The fact that they're still, they're like, she's gone, but we'll just keep doing what we've been doing. Like it doesn't disrupt the boat for them to lose the captain, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel bad for that Hanson shirt vampire. Because uh, getting turned apparently did nothing to help him. Like, one of the big vampire turning <laughs> rules in the show is if you're a, a loser and a nerd before you get turned into a vampire, you become cool. It happened with Jesse. It happened with, like, alternate Willow and Xander. Mm-hmm. And it happened with William the Bloody. This poor handsome dude, just as bad as... <laughs> I can't imagine how bad he was before if this is him now. <laughs> yeah. I like that he gets his head squeezed off. Have you noticed that in this episode that um, for whatever reason, vampire dust has more physical than it normally is? Yeah. Like, Giles gets it on his sleeve and has to like you actually see it. And then like the uh, demon squeezes his head off and he's got it in his hands. You actually see yeah. it later. It's uh, something vampire dust has become a little bit more gritty. What, what do you think the dust is actually made out of? You know, like prop wise. Oh, it looks like sawdust. Yeah, it looks yes. orangey. But in the effects, it's always, like, gray. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> this is also... I We forgot to mention this earlier. Panko. This is the first episode on UPN. So they're shooting on the same lots, I think. But um, there are, like, production differences you're going to start yeah. seeing. Okay. Uh, yeah, so what did Willow just do? <laughs> so this... If, if we do this for the summary, this is how I imagine it. It's, like, that classic... Like everything is great song. Do, 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 do. It's just like the fawn in the forest, you know, like comes towards Willow and then she just uh, stabs its neck and like holds it close or whatever. Like that is an awesome, like Willow's different now scene where yeah. she's like morally okay with killing a little bit, bitty animal. I mean, this is a girl that wants a kitty that's like generally like a squeamish, like normal person. Like, I wonder, I don't know what the fan fiction is on this. Like, did her, uh, did did Dark Willow swap out over the summer? Is this really Willow? Because, like, this is, you know, because I, I remember when you guys were, um, 
gaslighting me about Dawn, how she's always been on the show. I feel like I'm surprised you're not gaslighting me that Dark Willow has always been the real Willow, or this whatever, like, evil Willow. Because, like, that was so messed up, and so, like, it's such a, a beautifully uh, contrasting scene. Um, I just couldn't believe it was happening. Yeah. And I saw it a second time, I was still like, this is unreal that they did this to the character. I feel like the you know, obviously the stakes are could never be higher for her, but the inability to give up and allow Buffy to be dead. And the and fact that she, like, totally covers up, like, doesn't let even Tara yeah. know what she did. Well, she knows it's messed up. I mean, she's totally cognizant. It's why, you know, she's acting very cool about Giles getting out of the way, but, like, she knows that she's doing something messed up and that everybody has to be gone for her to do it. And, like, we see it as a viewer, but, you know, you don't have a sense of the dark stuff involved with the resurrection spell. But, like, she's been able to put all this stuff together on the sly or somewhat on the sly. And, like, you know, we see it when the spell comes together. It's just, like, unreal that that's the, that's the level you have to go. But that's inappropriate because it's also appropriate because you don't want to just resurrect people. You want to make it hard. But that it also, like, there's a moral uh, compromise, like a moral shift in the character. She's going from lawful good or lawful neutral to chaotic neutral, chaotic evil, right? Probably chaotic neutral. I think but, she like, might that be alignment chaotic adjustment. lawful or whatever. Right. Wait, that's not a because like it's still like about the greater good, but it's doing it in the most reckless way. Right. Well, that and that's part of chaos is being making a decision for the greater good. Right. Where it's not for saving individuals. Right. When you're like, oh, let them kill the little boy if it will keep the, you know, keep the crops alive another year. That That's <laughs> good for all of us. That's what Mach- the ends justify the means. That's more Machiavellian. Machiavellian. That's more evil. Ends justify the means is evil. It's always like evil. Where you've come up. No, it, and it is because it's like, if you like, okay, I don't. This will no, be I was laughing because it's like, myself. you're like cutting to the end of storytelling, right? Like, ah, it's always evil. If you start, if you're the guy saying that you're evil. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I, was I mean, like, it just is. <laughs> so do you think Mike, do you think that uh, this version of Willow is more evil than the, that evil version, that evil vamp Willow. I don't. I don't know. I haven't spent enough time with this. We have not got enough screen time. I'd have to re, have to revisit Evil Willow because she was clearly the opposite of Willow, in some ways. So you had like Good Willow, Evil Willow, but like I, I don't think that the stakes were as high for Dark Willow at that time. She was just doing vampire stuff, killing people, vamping up. Like didn't feel like she was more acting in her nature. I mean, it didn't feel like this feels like a, a moral turn. That Willow has taken. But, but remember how, like, Willow said, I think the evil version of me is kind of gay. Remember, like, that foreshadowing? And now we're having this same, you know, Willow who's in a same-sex relationship who's now acting more morally ambiguous. That's like a dark, that's like a dark take of, like, kind of like a destiny that, like, she got a peek into that now maybe she can't escape. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that. I mean, it's she's definitely shifting into that character. I'll believe it when she brings out the, you know, the fishnet or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> leather, it's leather, my friend. <laughs> okay, I got to do this tangent. I just, I, it's in my mind here. So the, the the evil tangent though, Dennis, for me is like the gambling system in the United States. Gambling is illegal, but it is morally, I think it's unequivocally, it's um, it's shameful that gambling is legalized in the United States, but it's okay because the money will go to the educational system and we're okay. Really that money should just not exist. There should be no gambling money that goes to education, but it's shamefully allowed to exist. So it's like, 
you can resurrect someone. This is where the parallel is like resurrecting someone. Uh, but like you have to do something morally ambiguous or evil to do it. Like kill a little deer. You just can't do it then. That's not allowed. Right. Like it, so the, the fact that you can morally compromise to do something evil, like it doesn't matter. It's just evil. That, that thing can't be done. And that's where it's like, that turn is so hard. It's like, Oh, you did something that totally adjusts who you are as a person. Then you can't do that thing. So now she's evil willow to me. Like it just happened. And I was shocked they did that because the ends justified the means of her doing something really terrible. Uh, John, do you want to add to this with your next well, comment? Well, I, I have or? a much lower stakes observation about Willow, just that she is completely carrying the team now. Um, she is, you know, she's kind of one of the moms of the house. She is in charge on patrol, watching everybody, telling everybody what to do. She's entirely the tech support for the entire operation. <laughs> it's like, what are Xander and Anya and even like Spike and Giles contributing at this point because I feel like well Spike's still Spike's still the fighter right yeah, yeah. he seems to be but uh, he didn't I don't know just uh, he seemed kind of useless this episode uh, lighting the guy really on fire and then stepping the back and uh, yeah. later he didn't seem to be very very helpful I don't know it just, seems like if you just will willowed if you whittled the team down to just willow and spike you'd have all the like braids and all the muscle right yeah. you have like 90 percent of of all of them <laughs> I, I think that's a good point you know it's also interesting like you know we think about that episode where buffy like um was in cleveland or remember that episode where buffy like died and and you know that things were like apocalyptic wasteland mm-hmm. or buffy had never I come wish. to sunnydale buffy it was the buffy had never come to sunnydale was that it yeah 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 yeah, yeah so, okay. it's the wish and uh, and it was kind of like this apocalyptic wasteland. Man, that's also come, starting to come true, which is kind of <laughs> crazy. Um, but also, like, it kind of, like, it's this interesting, like, foreshadowing of, like, rule of law. Like, the moment, and, and it's a dark, it's a dark take. It's like, the moment that that the rule of law breaks down and that, you know, people who do bad things don't go to jail or people who, um, who commit crimes don't go to jail, th- then, like, your society falls apart dramatically quickly. And I think that's, like... That's exactly what happens in this episode, which is mm. super interesting. Like, it, it, and that's my that's my modern day twenty first century where the rule of law is constantly being sub- subverted. It's like, guess what? The the lawman or lawwoman in this case, Buffy, no longer around. Much like an eighteen you know nineteenth century um, American Western town where there's like a lawman or lawwoman. It's like when they're dead, then all the criminals and all the robbers and et cetera. They just have they just they wreck havoc in that in that uh, old timey Western version of the United States. Oh, it's definitely like a Western. Yeah, I, I didn't feel that way until you said that. But yeah, definitely right. Right, because that's like you know the, the 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 biker gang is like the old timey like you know apple dumpling gang. <laughs> <laughs> well, not the apple dumpling gang, but you know um, Sundance was it Sundance Kid and the and the Wild Bunch. Sundance what, Kid and the Wild Bunch. I like that. You're just Muted combining games. all the. Is that is that the is that one of the infamous gangs? Uh, I think you're just mixing up two different uh, Western movies. movies. Westerns? <laughs> well, you know Jesse James and his crew. Wait, but even Wild Bunch isn't that like a motorcycle gang movie? Also, where it's like that is a riff on a western. I mean, I mean, it's all that motorcycle gang thing is such a western. Like it's yeah, they the could have just replaced motorcycles 60s, with horses. 70s. Yeah, just replacing it with horses. So. But I feel like I see that set and I was like, are we in Pylea? Where are we? <laughs> 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 
Is Pylea just over to the left? You just panned right. <laughs> yeah, it turns out you don't need another game. dimension. You just got to go like an hour outside of Sunnydale. <laughs> uh, just, so Giles' goodbye moment at the airport. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to like dissect in those moments, but I just wanted to give a specific shout out to Tara does the Gur Arg from the uh, you know mutant enemy with a little monster finger. Um also, like, this weird, like, pre-9-11 thing of them being able to meet him at the gate, um, which even though this aired after 9-11, um, and I just want to do it, uh, so, and then we could talk a little bit about the, her, the going away to everybody, and, like, I, I'm also, like, Giles is legit abandoning Don, like, if he has any kind of, like, oh, totally. responsibility. To, to, to all of these non-adults. Yeah. <laughs> and a monster. Um, <laughs> and uh the exterior shot of the sunnydale airport gave me serious like whoa that looks exactly like the santa rosa airport um which i've put down at the bottom of the docks a comparison comparison of the two like they look like they're about the same size that's my local airport down at the bottom um except the sunnydale airport looks a lot more like a boat yeah that's right <laughs> It looks like a like a pier, right? Yeah. Just like so, it turns out that it's actually the Long Beach International Airport is where they shot that. Ah, according to the Buffy, Buffy Wikia. They seem to have like uh, have a lot more destinations than the Sonoma County Airport, though. Yeah, if you uh, you can apparently, according to the monitor behind uh, behind them, you can uh, you can fly to Rome, Madrid, Paris, London, Amsterdam, Hong Kong, Moscow, Chicago, Dallas, Denver, New York, Miami, Pittsburgh, San Diego, Seattle, or Tampa Bay. All from uh, Sunnydale International Airport. Well, I can go to, from Santa Rosa, I could go to San Diego and Seattle. So that's two of those places. Um, can, although can you I notice say, they did say like they're flying LA to London. Yes, so. I did notice that. Yeah, I was going to say the most unrealistic cities that you can fly from Sunnydale Airport would be Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Because those markets are so small. The bigger markets, sure. I mean, you know, California to Hong Kong is a huge is a huge market. Um, Denver is a good connecting market, but Tampa Bay is like a super small destination, relatively. Yeah, and Dallas is local enough, kind of. Podcast yeah. idea: just discuss airport <laughs> scenes from different TV shows. <laughs> No. <laughs> I feel like you, you just do the Wings podcast that you really want to do. I know we're walking into at least one person in this group's personal interests of travel. So Let's just shout out Dots, Lines, Destinations. It's an airport <laughs> airplane podcast that we've all listened to a few times at this point. But yeah, that's a, a featuring on the sidebar as an advertisement during this segment. <laughs> It's a great podcast. Super fun. Is it, though? It, anyway. it, it, it is. <laughs> you know what? If you're interested in planes and yeah. destinations and airports, uh, yes, it's fantastic. And if we were going to yeah. do a airport, uh, airport and TV podcast, we would absolutely want to have those guys on as guests <laughs> <laughs> to, to confirm the facts. But we have friends, um, so we're all right. We're yeah. doing fine. Can we talk about Willow's uh, magic words? Yes. So when she uh, lures and sacrifices the uh, the baby deer, uh, she says, Adonai Halome Pine. And I Googled that. And that is actually, I guess, real, as real as magic words can get. They're real magic words from a book 
uh, called The Book of Ceremonial Magic by Edward Waite, which was published uh, around like 1913 or so. And it's actually a collection of grimoires. So it actually comes probably from some even older magic book. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, and then um, the magic spell that she does when she actually resurrects Buffy. I looked around trying to find that. I couldn't find anywhere where that, that those magic words were taken from. But I did find other places that have taken this magic words scene from Buffy. Oh, so there's this website called spellsofmagic.com, which is kind of like a wiki <laughs> of magic spells. So if you know a magic spell, you put it up and then people will know the magic spell and they can rate it. So this spell titled To Resurrect the Dead is rated five out of five stars. And it's just a perfect description of what happens in this episode of Buffy. So one of two things happened. Either somebody just wrote down what happened in this episode of Buffy as though it was a real magic spell put on this website webpage <laughs> or... The scene is both this and the scene are based on some earlier source material. I don't know, um, but it goes through. gives you a complete description of exactly what you should do. You need a living animal sacrifice. One to two days before the ritual. You need to say the magic words. It's almost the exact same thing that uh, Willow says. Um, you know, you stab the magic animal, avoiding the heart. You say, accept our humble gratitude for your offering. You cut the heart out and you get your five friends and you kneel down by the grave, etc., etc. But the best part of this web page is the comments. <laughs> Uh, somebody, uh, Shiro Kayubi comments, is it really possible to bring back the dead? And Ajiel comments, no, it is not. Spells that go against the laws of nature are not effective. <laughs> and, uh, moving down a little bit, Witch's Child comments, animal cruelty is never all caps. Okay. They are our friends and equal Two, this is the real world. You are not a bloody extra in an episode of AHS Coven. I don't know what that is. Three. American Horror Story. Uh, okay. Three. I think you might want to think a bit and try to remember all that stuff about the rule of three and messing with the unnatural and causing no harm and whatnot. Yeah. Oops. And then she comments again, or he, and says, sorry for the rant. This was just the stupidest spell I had ever read. They are clearly hoodoo based. No issue with that, but encouraging people to violently stab a living creature to death to try to achieve something that is impossible is both delusional and psychopathic. IMO. Oh my God. I feel like we've really reached the point where we can't tell fiction from reality anymore. <laughs> it's interesting also she thinks it's hoodoo based because they're calling for Osiris, right? Who's an Egyptian god. Am I right about that? Uh, I, I don't know if Osiris. Yo, no, Osiris is in this uh, version of it um, that they posted on here. Yeah. It's like the urn of Osiris, and she keeps asking Osiris to bring her back. Yeah. It's like, I guess the assumption is Buffy's in the Egyptian underworld. Um, although I don't honestly know how underworlds work <laughs> in Buffy or in the real world. Unfortunately, underworld, if I if my memory serves right, it's full of vampires and, um, and lichens. <laughs> <laughs> and one vampire lichen hybrid. Yeah. Uh, also, John, I think you said uh, a, a wiki. I think you meant the, I think you meant to say witchy. It's a it's a witchy <laughs> repository. I'm just kidding. It's a wiki. Oh, wiki with that wicked wicked lifestyle. It's a wiki wicked lifestyle. There's no warning on this website. This is just a, a magic spell on a. <laughs> Dude, what, what warning would they put up? What are you? What warning are you expecting? I don't know. I'm waiting for the, like, this is all bullshit warning on the it's top of stuff. It's not bullshit. Spell. I mean, it's quasi-religious. Mike, Mike uh, open a Bible. There's not, like, a disclaimer. Yeah. I don't feel like they <laughs> should be obligated. I, I don't think that they should be obligated to warn you that it's not real. 
because no. it's you know it's a uh, spiritual it's like, somebody's it's like spiritual belief it's like it's like your belief man i do think though that it is definitely uncool to copy down what happens in buffy and put it on <laughs> this kind of website and tell people yeah. that they should stab an animal but avoid the heart and then cut the heart out to uh, do a ritual I feel like I want to come in on this that like, hey, isn't this from Buffy? And then like (laughs) cite the episode. I mean, like I said, it's entirely possible that it's not from Buffy, that Buffy lifted this from some earlier source material. I mean, let's be honest. The idea of a ritual animal sacrifice is as old as time. So that was lifted. So that's historically accurate. You want to get into the details about the bloodletting? Yes, we all know that bloodletting was a part of animal sacrifice in the past. The idea of cutting out the heart is probably the unique thing. So that's the question. Well, uh, Nikoshima did say um, that it's a great area. um, And for the most part, it's offensive slash dangerous slash wrong um, to be part of an animal sacrifice. I'd say if it's good enough for Abel, it's good enough for us. (laughs) Exactly. But all the the ancient Greek sacrifices, they would always do an animal sacrifice. It was always about bloodletting. Then they'd they'd burn the fat of the animal. I mean... The details I mean, you gotta might figure be... in like the olden days, if you had an animal to eat and you just didn't eat it, that was yeah, you must you have definitely... had, like that, that's that's some heavy mojo. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm thankfully saying, like... Jesus came, and because then we could no longer have to sacrifice animals, right? Because of Jesus, because he sacrificed himself. Then we don't yeah. we can ignore all this stuff <laughs> post Jesus, which is great. Get a reset. I say wow. avoid all this complication at all and just outsource. Hire Wolfram and Hart. <laughs> They're the resurrection specialists. You don't have to feel this moral complication about killing oh the fawn yourself. <laughs> I don't want Lindsay on the Buffy set. I just did. He doesn't fit there. He did leave town. Maybe he's headed to Sunnydale. That would no. be amazing if he stopped in Sunnydale, no. thinking he's going to be okay. Like, I'll be fine here. I'll start it over again. I don't want him working at the like, espresso pump. I can't pump. catch a friggin' break, man. His like 1930s pickup truck pulls up. Oh, man. What's left of it? <laughs> After the cops get through with it. <laughs> All right. All right. Sorry. Okay. All right. So uh, <laughs> when the uh, biker gang is driving into town, they drive past the Sunnydale uh, sign, which is not the same Sunnydale sign that uh, Spike ran over, a different one. And this one says that uh, the population of Sunnydale is 32,900 and that it's at uh, an elevation of 102 feet. Just wanted to point those numbers out in comparison to Santa Barbara, which uh, in the 2000 census had 89,508 people. So more than twice as many uh, people as Sunnydale, which really actually, because like we've talked about how, you know, Sunnydale is this Santa Barbara analog and they even use maps of Santa Barbara to stand in for Sunnydale. But it's always felt to me like uh, Sunnydale was much, much smaller. Yeah. Like having only one nightclub and stuff like that. Always felt like Sunnydale was much, much more than Santa Barbara. Uh, and this at least uh, confirms that feeling to me. It's also apparently at a slightly higher elevation, uh, which is neither here nor there, I suppose. Yeah, it makes sense, though, if it's like the same geographical space, but it's just less densely populated because of yeah. all the murders. So in this in the Buffyverse, there's just, yeah, there's just, it. yeah, in the Buffyverse, uh, that makes sense. It is Santa Barbara, but half the people have been eaten by vampires. That makes sense. Yeah, that that actually that that scans. I like that. That works. It's amazing to me the show has gone as long as it has without introducing a demon biker gang before. It seems like a like an obvious thing to bring up. So, I dig it, man. That last shot of corpse Buffy is like always gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, yeah. I'm glad the show went there. It's like 
disturbing this idea that like Buffy is rotted. You know, it's not just that they put her soul back in her body. They had to like fully resurrect her flesh and rejuvenate it. Like, like we see that profile shot of like the completely desiccated like corpse. It's like rough. Travis, is that do you feel like accurate for a few months of decomposition? Because it seems to me like she's a little bit further gone than I would expect, but I don't I don't actually know how fast bodies rot. Given also that they did this, the Scooby gang did this themselves, so she probably didn't get formaldehyded. That's the question. Yeah, she didn't really get embalmed or anything like that. Probably. I mean, that's a good question. Maybe they did some magical. You think you think they did like some magical preservation spell, like trying to bide their time until they could really resurrect her? Hmm. Well, wait, are you guys saying uh, that? Because this is my sense, too, that the, that they is this in the show somewhere that the gang buried her without notifying any authorities? Well, they have to because Buffy's still pretending to be alive at school, right? Right. So there's no. But she has a headstone, right? That says Buffy Summers. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed, though, it's in a corner of the cemetery with no other graves around? I think they like they like. I think it's they, in the woods. <laughs> it's sort of under a tree. No, it's oh, yeah, in the cemetery. <laughs> it is in the cemetery, but it's under a tree in this like spot. Like yeah. if you look at the shot, it's the, it's in this really idyllic little spot with no other headstones visible in the immediate area. I think that that's it's like off to the corner in like a little grotto of trees, and they like yeah. stealth off the grid. It's off the it's grid. The same uh, grave they dig they dug for the master's bones. They're like we already got this space. Possibly. Gosh, that's, or... that's so insane, John. That makes me feel crazy. So in order to avoid the death certificate or the verification that she would be dead, they had to bury her, but they buried her cemetery with a magical spell over her corpse so they have the chance of resurrecting her later. Well, I don't know about the magical spell necessarily. I think that's neither here nor there, but they definitely like they know a guy who can get a backhoe. Yeah. Like, like, I, 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 I always picture this as being like Xander's construction like skills put to work they dig yep. it out he probably makes the gravestone himself they, they obviously uh, have access to the cemetery <laughs> at nighttime they have no problem getting in and out okay that's just so crazy <laughs> because why go through the process of creating a headstone and then also why put her body in a dangerous place they go to the cemetery almost every damn night to fight vampires why not bury her someplace actually peaceful and different like by like some other series of yeah backyard or something like this is crazy to bury her there this is the highest risk for the least possible reward and so what they resurrect her into like a combat zone i mean not even saying that the plan is to resurrect her but if they're going to bury her there again around all these other vampires who are possibly i mean this is that's just a dumb if that's what she did it is it is crazy and dumb (laughs) and yet what else could they have done because like if they had gone to the you know i if they had like gone to the police or gone to the coroner or whatever and like gotten Buffy buried the normal way, then there'd be a record. And I feel like that, I don't know how, how does it work? Does that, does that automatically trigger something with the school? Probably not. No, this feel like independent entities that don't communicate necessarily. Like as much as we assume there's a shared database, I feel like you die. Then the death certificate, that's like with the state. So you can stop paying taxes. Very important. So they can't do the death certificate because that, I feel like you're right. That does like have these like weird chain of triggers and events, but she's also so young. She wouldn't be working and necessarily paying taxes. The main tax situation is the inheritance from Joyce and then the who owns the house. And so if the ownership of the house hasn't passed like 
from from Buffy because if she dies, then the house, the estate would pass to either Don or to probably to Dad or some kind of escrow caretaking scenario. Because like really, it's the status of the house is the issue. Because like Tara and Willow are there and nobody's like knocking on it, so they're clearly paying the mortgage at least, or they're able to produce some kind of compensation, possibly from the inheritance, so they have access to Buffy's accounts. So if Buffy's dead. I mean, this is where it's like everything is weekend at Bernie's in this situation with that weirdness of like, she can't be dead because as soon as she's dead, we have to deal with all the the financial implications of death and how they don't have access to that money anymore. So they shouldn't have buried her because they've actually made a site, makes it clear that she's dead. There shouldn't be Ugh. at least a headstone. I think mean, they could bury your body, but the headstone there is like, that's weird. All right. New podcast. We... Uh, watch TV shows with a CPA. And oh, I'd love that. I would love that. <laughs> I want to mar. You know what? I would watch fucking cop shows and ask if the whatever the, whatever the cops did was legit or not. Because I feel like in cop shows they're constantly breaking the law. That would make me. That makes me crazy. But also CPA. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can we start the? Okay. So Travis gave me a copy of the Buffy musical on vinyl. It is still in its package. <laughs> the musical countdown has started. What is this? Episode four? Three episodes from now? I, I looked it up. I was wrong. It's episode seven. Episode seven. So six episodes now. So just want to start this countdown to the musical. I'm very excited. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Also, oh, yeah. So I was going to just say that, that, that Giles leaving to England to me is just just not really the responsible adult thing. Like he makes it seem like it's responsible and adult. But if you leave... The if you leave Dawn and not help raise her and not help be there to protect her, I just want to emphasize that I don't think that that is the responsible thing to do. Even if you're upset and sad that Buffy died, to me, the responsible thing is not leaving this person alone to be raised. Although she has, you know, adult figures in her lives, in her life. It just that, to me, that's not, oh, I'm a real responsible adult type situation. But everyone has to live their own life, I suppose. But he doesn't really have much of a life, so I, I don't know what his deal is. Yeah, it's almost like he needs some sort of spinoff to find out what's going on in England. Um, but there's nothing going on. I mean, he's never said like, oh, man, there's this, you know, never said anything is going on. I mean, cup of tea. It is rough. Cup I think, tea. like, you know, but Buffy is definitely his, like, surrogate daughter, right? And that emotion somehow never transferred over to Don, which is, yeah. like, wild to me. Um there should be a little transferiness, right? All right. Uh, you guys want to move on to questions for the group? Questions for the group. Okay, so I posed this question initially before we talked more about Willow. And now uh, I think I have an answer for it that I don't like. But uh, the question the show poses, which is crazy, is if you die closing a portal to the demon dimension or the dimension, you know, Yes, the demon dimensions. Where does your soul go? So Willow poses this question in the show, right? Mm-hmm. She's yes. like, oh, where's Buffy's soul? Where could it be? What do you want us well, to say here, Michael? Yeah. <laughs> well, You're the one who's I, okay, okay talk. so I, I think this is a lie. I think this is a, this is a shitty question she asks. Because I think she knows where Buffy's soul is. And she poses that question in order to get Xander to continue with the ritual. Because he puts her soul she puts his her soul in Buffy's soul in danger with the implication of where it could be and they don't know. But I think she does know and she just wants Xander's help in the participation of the ritual. So I, I like initially I was like, oh that'd be a fun speculative question. But now I'm like, no, this is Willow 
being shitty to try and control other people. Do you think that, what do you think about that? Do you think that's true? Or do you think that Willow genuinely is concerned about Buffy's soul? I don't think we can answer this question, Michael. Oh. Well, where do you think Buffy's soul is? So <laughs> yes, you don't have to make a that's prediction. That's what we want to know. Where do you think Buffy's soul is? I think it's in a new wave paperweight. Called the Orb of Tesla or whatever. Oh. Uh, Elon I mean, Musk I think, has it on his desk. It's the Orb of Tesla. I, think this, <laughs> I mean, the sad answer is, like, Buffy's in a better place. She's, like, she's in a better place, wherever that is. I don't know if this show believes in heaven or not. It definitely believes in hell. Yeah. and But, like, it also believes in a billion other demon dimensions. So, I don't know if it believes in heaven. There probably is a heaven, but there probably is also, like, a better place. Or the powers that be. I mean, there's just so many worlds that her soul could be in. But it's not in the bad place. And that's the implication by this. And so that's, I don't like that Willa did that to Xander in retrospect. At the time, though, I was like, what other demon dimensions could her soul go? Because, like, we saw where Angel went. <laughs> like, we actually saw where he went when he died. So she has gone to a physical, like, there is a place that she went. We didn't see where Angel went when he died. Didn't we have, doesn't he have flashbacks to being in hell or whatever he is? Or is he just um, the I time mean, we passes. see him come back from it. Yeah. And we get some kind of... He know, talks about it. He talks centuries about it, but we, of don't, we don't see it. Okay, we never see it. We see, the, he, uh, we see the demon dimension that is hellish where there's like the factory and everybody ages and they beat you up. I could have sworn we saw some pictures of the, like some visuals of the places where Angel went when he died. No? Mm. Not that I can recall. Okay. Yeah. All right. You think... That's my question. <laughs> Do you think uh, Willow is now on the Wolfman and Heart radar after uh, oh. a successful resurrection? Like, because they definitely keep track of like powerful characters, right? For p- potential recruitment. Yeah, somebody's like got to be in all like, those files. For it. Yeah, Lila's like something just sh- pinged on my '90s computer. <laughs> <laughs> Totally, like the resurrection spells, the atomic bomb of witchery spells. Like this is a big one. You got someone that's got resurrection. Like you can never lose. Your army can constantly come back. Like that's yeah. I mean, this the recruiter right now. Yeah. Well, there's only the one um, clay pot from the gnome. They said there was the last one ever. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, you just gotta make another clay pot. Yeah, just learn a different <laughs> spell. <laughs> If you got the chops for this one. Just sub out the clay pot. Duh. Just go to, what is it, Color Me Mine? Is that what it is? Is that where you make the clay pot or you color the clay pot? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm here to paint an urn of Osiris. Ooh, Osiris. That's interesting. I just can imagine the people being like, that's so cool. Uh, and I think I'm going to be posting this on like the Twitter account, but... Uh, have you guys seen, do you remember the Buffy season six promos? I haven't, I was trying to find those. I couldn't find them. Uh, I just posted one. Uh, somebody wants to click on it. I think this is like the right one. That I was is it okay of. to, for us to, for me to watch this one? Yeah. I think it, it's just a promo for this episode and for it moving to the new station, UPN. So they did these with like every character where they're like, 
you know, without her, Sunnydale's going to hell. And that was like the the UPN promos for like the summer. Man, the sound design of that is weird. I immediately thought of like Japanese advertising. There's something <laughs> weird about the cuts on that and the and the music because it's super goth, but also just ambiguous. All like, these candles. <laughs> and Spike has his new his new curly haired look. Uh, so that's all I got for that. I just thought it was there's something about that that I really remembered from when it uh, from before it aired. Um, uh, so let's move on to themes and deep stuff. The only, uh, themes I, or deep stuff I was thinking about really, um, cause I think we'll talk more about like actual resurrection next week, uh, was like that vomiting snake is like, like strong dream imagery. Um, so I looked at a couple different sites that, uh, kind of did dream analysis and um, so they uh, so these are from two different sites. Um, one is um, from myislamicdream.com. It says um, vomiting a snake in a dream also means death or distan- distancing oneself from one's enemies. Um, so there's a lot of different like, you know, snake dream explanations and vomit dream explanations. But that's the only specific combo I found on that site. <laughs> um, let's see. Where's the other one? I can't believe there's so many explanations here. <laughs> uh, to vomit live snake. This is from um, antiflow.com, Dream Dictionary. Um, to vomit live snakes in your dream indicates that you may be at odds with yourself. You made a life choice not because you want to choose a certain path, but because you wanted to progress. The snake itself uh, is connected to your life force, especially when found in the stomach. This could be an omen that you must overcome obstacles. Um and then there's later info if like um, if the snake you vomit if the snakes you vomit are dead then this can indicate a health issue that you could perhaps be unaware of. Uh, if you are upset during the dream, then you can feel some uncontrollable desire to solve problems in your life. If the snake retains a life force after being sick or vomiting the snake, it can indicate that you will survive in the face of adver- uh, uh, adversity. Uh, I just I always like dream analysis because they're like this is specifically the code to, this is code yeah. breaking for your own subconscious. <laughs> uh, so I know we the, the audience might have expected more for themes of deep stuff this episode because we're but, talking about resurrection, but, but we, uh, we went through it. We talked about some of the, the themes of, of Dark Willow and 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 you know yeah. a little bit about fate analysis and and things like that. We talked about it and connecting yeah. airports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got deep. We got deep into airports for sure. <laughs> Uh, oh, Mike! Mike brought up something really hilarious during the episode. He's like, "Everyone in Sunnydale fails the Turing test because <laughs> they all can't, or they they all can't recognize Buffy." Oh, Buffy Bot. Yeah, they were all struggling with it. It feels like they were. It, yeah, the human AI recognition was like poor. Versus, like, whatever that episode when uh, when Warren, you know, yeah. his first ex, whatever, everyone's like, she's a robot, like, instantly. <laughs> like, nobody, none of the vamps are like, or the demons are putting it together. Except for Hanson. All right. Uh, you guys want to move on to recommendations? Recommendations. I'm going to recommend Battle Angel Alita because of Buffy bought this episode. Uh, that movie was super underrated. And also, I've been reading all the uh, Battle Angel uh, manga recently. 
and really enjoying it. And um, so bad. So Alita is a cyborg technically. She's got this like two hundred year old brain, but like the the manga and the movie really like push the line of what is what is a robot and what is a human. Like um, there's a point in the manga where like they start making duplicates of Alita, and then they, those duplicates are pure robot, but they have like but they're they have Alita as their complete base. And then, like, um, they change their personalities based on their own life experiences. And I feel like that's, like, where BuffyBot could have gone. Um, also, like, why you need to train robots? Don't just have them <laughs> go off into the world. Give them some basis of knowledge. Um, also, the movie is really underrated. It was good. Uh, I also thought about Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which I know we've already recommended, but I'm doing that a lot. Uh, just because... Uh, Pee-wee uh, meeting the biker gang uh, oh. <laughs> felt so similar. I'm like trying a... <laughs> to use the phone. <laughs> I say you let me have him. <laughs> I say you let him go. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that. Uh, and then I started thinking about the vomiting snake stuff. And what I came up with is, uh, so Shivers, I know I've already recommended, and I probably, like, bring up a lot. That was a really good Cronenberg <laughs> movie. Uh, there's So there's the the little infectious worm-like things that run through a person's body in that movie. And the there's little, amazing like, <laughs> dick turd with a spear on it that swims swims at you in the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> and there's an amazing scene where Barbara Steele, and I've put a link to it. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to play it. Uh, the, where Barbara Steele's kissing somebody, and you see it move through her neck, similar to how what happened with Willow, into the next person's mouth and then their neck. Oh. <laughs> really good scene. Oh, that movie is rough. <laughs> good movie. Uh, rough watch. Um, I'm also going to recommend Poltergeist 2 because it has a famous vomiting a creature scene uh, that is really an e- a really excellent creature vomit scene. Um, and then the creature starts to grow and form into a giant thing after uh, the guy. Is it Craig T. Nelson in Poltergeist 2? In the first one. I don't know who's in the, I don't know if he's in the second one. Yeah, he's, yeah, it's him. Yeah. He vomits up this like snake creature thing that then like forms into and there's a there's a shot where it's um played by um a man who is a real life like uh quadruple amputee and you see him like in the monster suit wiggling around and it's like ah that just came out of your mouth so those were my wrecks i'm gonna do more biker gang stuff next week um and maybe something else with resurrections i don't know impossible to predict speaking of predictions why don't we get into those Virgin Predictions. Predictions. This is going to be uh, maybe our longest ever prediction segment because we chose this time not to do a recap of season five. Um, so we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're going to handle uh, a big pile of predictions that basically wrap up season five, and then we have uh, an actually really surprisingly large new pile of predictions that just deal with season six episode one. So uh, strap in because this is going to be like a a lot of predictions. Um, Okay. Starting from the beginning. There's a lot of scrolling here. Okay. All right. Uh, 
in season at the end of season four, in our recap of season four, Michael, you predicted that the Watcher Council will bring forth a monster in season five. Sorry, uh, that, you, are we doing just season five right now? Yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, so, Michael, you predicted the Watcher Council will bring forth a monster in season five. I don't think that happened. The Watcher Council has done a lot of nefarious shit, but they did not bring forth a monster in season five. Uh, if anyone, unless anyone disagrees, I am denying this one. Michael, you also predicted that Giles's house will be destroyed in season five. It, if it was destroyed, it was not destroyed in season five. It was kind of knocked about in season four, um, but it was not destroyed in season five. So that is denied. You predicted that Tara and Willow will have magical sex in season five. Now, <laughs> I would just because that sounds amazing. I hope for the two of them that they did. Uh, that sounds fantastic. But we have no evidence screen. of it. We have no evidence of it. There's no. And we I can't, feel like that, that was in reference to some of their magic spells that were sexual because they weren't showing actual kissing. So right. they're showing very explicit magic scenes. Back yep. in season four. But this is still denied, right, Dennis? It is denied, but I would strongly hint that Mike should re-up that prediction for season six. What? You just gave me a free one? <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll put that on my list here. All right. Wow, I didn't know we were just giving away the store now, Dennis. I don't know when I that don't happened. Know, man. I feel like that's... Sometimes Mike time limits his predictions too much. Yep, it's true. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, Michael, you predicted in season five, episode seven, Dawn isn't going to die in season five. Uh, She hasn't. Well, technically, Dawn is part of... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you predicted that Graham is going to die in season five. It hasn't happened. So that's, that's denied. I'm about to ask who's Graham. <laughs> <laughs> you you remember Graham? Come on, you made a prediction about him. Yeah, yeah. He's Riley's friend, the only yeah, friend that guy he has with left. The incredibly square jaw and absolutely no charisma. Yeah, I thought they were going to come back for a mission or something. Okay, you predicted uh, season five, episode eleven, that the Watcher Council will kidnap Dawn. Uh, I don't know why I have this one highlighted because that could happen at any time that that we're going to leave that open. No reason to talk about that. Uh, Season five, episode 12, Michael, you predicted that Quentin Travers is going to be killed this season, meaning season five. Quentin Travers is still alive. So that is denied. Uh, I believe that's all of our season five predictions uh, for the end of season five. Uh, I forgot to tell you what your... uh, numbers were beforehand so i don't really know where they've uh, how much they've fallen or risen Oops. i think they were in the 50s they were in the 50s Is that yeah right? okay uh, yeah, well, a, a, a really precipitous drop because at one point in the in season five you were in the 70s yeah and i think the last episode of season five really fucked you up yeah so your overall accuracy is currently at a 60.7 so you're really skirting uh that df line um, whereas your accuracy, uh, for season five is now at a 55.4. Now we have a little bit more to talk about because we just watched season six, episode one. So let's see what that by itself does to you. Um, Michael, you predicted 
in season four, episode 14, that Willow will be identified as a bad witch. Uh, Dennis, why did you uh, highlight this one? Because uh, I think Michael is identify is identifying Willow as a bad witch in this episode. He's predicting True. his own prediction. <laughs> that's that's a fair uh, point. She hasn't but been identified f- in show as a bad witch. Yeah, I think it has to happen in show. Um, so I think we're going to leave this one open. Uh, no one has as yet said Willow, you're a bad witch. So we'll have to leave that one open. But the same episode, Michael, you predicted that Willow will try to get Tara to perform evil magic. This one's tricky for me because I, there's definitely some peer pressure going on here between Willow and the rest of the gang. And she's definitely pressuring everybody into doing this spell, which is very dubious. And Tara says that it is wrong or that it is unnatural. Is it evil? Travis, what do you think about this? Well, I would say the show makes you want to believe that it's evil. Remember, we had this whole thing where, like, the show believes that those adults gave good or that guy gave good advice um to buffy last season the show definitely thinks that killing an innocent animal alone in a forest is an evil thing to do and i would say that by definition makes the spell evil to some degree that's that's my cognitive and I, I think flow. i think tara goes a long way to like make it okay to perform the resurrection spell like when Willow's body is being ripped apart and before she vomits this snake there's that moment where everyone where Anya and uh, Xander want to break the circle but Tara tells them no this is what was going to happen she's got this she's great I think like she's enabling she is enabling uh, Mm. the evil magic to be performed and so Willow has succeeded so you're saying try to get because you don't see a scene where she's being convinced because she's been convinced you know Right, but it's clear that Willow's leading the charge on this. Yes, and she's gotten Petraro to perform evil magic. I think. Mm. I think this is confirmed. This is a slam dunk. Am I, am I, you know? Travis, do you agree? I I think so. I think the show wants you to think it's an evil spell. All right, Dennis, do you think that the spell is evil? Um, Well, I mean, it brings back Buffy, and that's good. But is it evil as in it's a kind of spell an evil witch does? Then yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, so this one's confirmed. Uh, Willow does, in fact, try to get Tara to perform evil magic. Okay. Uh, season four in the recap, Michael, you at the end of season four, you predicted that Buffy will die in season five, but not permanently. She's uh, died in season five. She's been brought back. So I think this is definitely confirmed. Good job. Well done, sir. Good job, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> There's two more seasons of this show. Come on. Come on, y'all. <laughs> okay. Uh, Michael, same episode. You predicted that Tara and Willow will resurrect Buffy in season five or season six. Perfectly done. Great. I'm glad that you weren't like, well, also, and Xander and Anya. Now, this next one here is, I think we're going to to have to do something controversial. Here, I'll do it. Michael, at the beginning of season five, uh, if you recall, Giles is threatening to move to England. He tells Willow, I'm going to move to England. He doesn't tell Buffy. uh, And you predicted that Giles isn't moving to England. And in the end of that, you know, the the beginning, towards the beginning of, uh, in the next, very next episode, the uh, beginning of season five, he decides not to move. So we said, you know what, Michael confirmed, Giles doesn't move to England. 
We were being now so Josh has moved to England. So we're in the position of possibly rescinding a confirmation um, from a previous episode, which is a dangerous precedent, possibly. Uh, I so think it's very clear he moved to England. The prediction, um, Giles isn't moving to England. We confirmed it because at the time Giles had, you know, said he was going and then he, he changed his mind. But he's changed his mind back. Oh, oh this is uh, silly. I, I got confused about this. No, the, he made one prediction. It came true. And then to get in trouble for this, he would have to make a second prediction that Giles will eventually move okay. to England. To sp- so that, your that, point, Travis, is we should never rescind a prediction. No, no, no. Once it's, once it's been decided. It had been, he made the prediction for that episode to be but, fulfilled. But right. Mike is always so specific with his uh, timelines and stuff. And he didn't say Giles isn't moving to England in season five, episode two. He said Giles isn't moving to England. And he moved I'm okay to England. with this being rescinded because I think it'll come back because I think Giles is going to come back from England. Like, oh, so I think he moves this, back. Do we have to give it back to him? I think that, yes. that, that's good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is so obvious. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's so obvious. Oh, my God. I think, I think, uh, real quick, Dennis, you're voting, uh, leave it, you're voting to deny this one? Yeah, I wanted to deny it, but I also don't want to hurt Travis again. Travis, you're voting, leave it confirmed. I'm going to vote it, leave it confirmed because of the legal principle of stare decisis. You you can't have double jeopardy on predictions. That's what I, that's my move. (laughs) This is a noble game. It is a noble game. Thank you, John. Okay. All right. Uh, season five, episode two, Michael, you predicted Anya is going to get a lot of money. Um, she fondles the money again. I don't know if she has a lot of money. A lot's not a specific quantity. She's definitely, seems like she's probably gonna get a raise out of, uh, this, but I, I think for now we're gonna have to leave this one open. All right. Uh, season five, episode five, Anya is going to run the day to day operations of the magic shop. That's clearly what's happening. Uh, Anya has been given that promotion, so that one's confirmed. And we got more. Okay. Uh, Season five, episode 21. So the end of the last season. Michael, you predicted that in season six, episode one, at the end of the episode, Buffy is alive. Perfectly predicted, Michael. Down to almost the, like, minute. That's incredible. You knew the season. You knew the episode. You knew the moment in the episode. It was very good. I just just know how... This show thinks about things about season six, episode one. Also, though, Michael, you predicted opens with Xander and Anya getting married. <laughs> that is denied. So. Not only are they not married, they're not even acknowledging their engagement. <laughs> Such bullshit. It should open with a wedding anyway. OK, this one's interesting. Season five, episode 21. Willow will talk to Buffy's grave. Is she talking to the grave when she does the magic spell? She's talking above the grave. She's not talking uh, to it, though. She's not, she's not like, talking to Buffy the way you yes. that would seem to imply. And Buffy is alive now. So I don't know. Presumably she won't have another. Will she have another opportunity to talk to the grave? I think this one's denied. Wouldn't it be gruesome if Buffy came back but couldn't get her way out of the coffin and died? <laughs> <laughs> and finally, our last prediction of the day. Season five, episode 21. Michael, you predicted that the Buffy bot will return and so it has so that is confirmed oh boy phew that's a lot of predictions you guys uh as it stands michael your overall accuracy has risen to a 61.47 uh and 
we can now say that after one episode, your accuracy in season six is a solid 75%, which is a tie with your highest ever season. So at the moment, you're doing exactly as well as your best ever season, which was season two at a 75. Uh, Season five, by the way, we just ended is now your second worst season. Um, being just above uh, season three's uh, 54.32% with a 55.41. Well, this number can only go down. So I've got some new predictions here, uh, starting with Tara and Willow will have magical sex in season six. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis! Uh, um, (laughs) I I believe that uh, Giles isn't leaving the show in season six. The Scooby gang is going to put together an intervention regarding Willow's dark magic hobby in season six. They got to stop this craziness because once you've resurrected somebody, what else are you going to do? So I think dark Willow is a concern. And then uh, I have a new prediction style. I'm calling John's curse. Um, <laughs> we will never see a collectible Backstreet Bees, Backstreet Boy. Ugh. We will never see a Backstreet Boys collectible lunchbox in season six. This is referred to by Anya. She got it along with the urn of Osiris, whatever. So we're never going to see this lunchbox. Stay, yeah. Just hey, close attention to all the background details in Xander's apartment all the time. John's I mean, I would curse. do that anyway. It's fine. <laughs> all right. Um, there will be no consequences in season six to the arsoning of downtown Sunnydale by the biker gang in season six, episode one. Can we, I just, sorry, can we clarify that a little? Cause like if there are consequences in season six, episode two, which is like, while it's still happening, can I like, you know, can I like be a dick and be like, I'm going to deny that because shit's happening right now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the point of this for me is that, Oh shit. You just told me it's denied, basically. I should delete this one. You could, just, you could literally <laughs> just say season six, episodes one and two, and yeah, then yeah. I wouldn't be able to deny it next episode, and it could be an actual, like... All right. I'll say episode one and two. That. Thank you, because they are kind of a continuous episode. Because my point would be that this, like, terrifying biker gang moved in. They're arsoning stuff. Like, they may have burned down Sunnydale, for what we can tell in the, in the episode, but, like... Sunday will be, will be reborn, but not in episode two where they're still burning it down. Very, thank you, Dennis, for sparing me. You've become kind in your, in, <laughs> in, your, in your age. Yeah, in 2020. I like 2020, Dennis. New Dennis is the best. Okay. And then the super prediction is Buffy is pissed about being brought back to life. I think she's angry. Um, probably at Willow, but just generally she's pissed about being brought back to life. All she's right. moved she's moved on <laughs> even while everyone else has not moved on <laughs> uh well uh i've been uh your host dennis st john um you can catch my work on snoopy in space on apple tv you can follow me online on twitter and instagram uh, at dennis comics that's d-e-n-i-s-c-o-m-i-x uh, and that is also my dot com where you can buy my mini comics and my graphic novels. They're all monster related. And if you're a fan of Buffy, you might like them. Um, and where can other people, where can people find the rest of you guys on the Twitters and such? If people want to give that info out, I should stop asking. Nobody cares. <laughs> I'm on a popular Buffy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. Uh, thank and you. By popular, I mean like fifteenth of in the Buffy podcasts. Uh, we we come up earlier than that nowadays. Do we? That's exciting. Yeah. Not very many uh, podcasts go all the way. They don't make it to season six, episode by episode. This is a crazy venture to continue doing. Yeah. Do you know those uh, those 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 uh, turds who created a podcast called Never Been Slayed, a Buffy Virgin podcast? They fizzled out in like season one, episode five, or something. I hope they're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> this is what a successful Buffy podcast sounds like. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening to us this long. Uh, thank you one and all and uh, take uh, uh, thank you for listening and talking to us uh, you can visit buffyvirgin.com you can follow us on YouTube uh, you can follow us on Twitter we're at buffyvirginpod on Instagram we're at buffyvirgin uh, reach out we love to hear from you and don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever the hell you listen to us uh, and we'll see you in hell <laughs> <laughs>